everybody. Welcome to the YamCast. My name is Erica. And I am Chris. Yam actually stands for Young Adult Ministry. So the goal of this podcast is to talk about college and young adult ministry and how to effectively do that. Yeah. And the music in our episode is from our lovely friend Brian Nielsen and James DeWall. He just makes us sound so good. And here we go, back to the Yamcast. All right. The basic storyline this week is a little character we like to call Samson. Erica, little. You, He's a heard... very little character. Well, th- I kind of want to go into that, so we can just do that right now. Mm-hmm. There's nothing saying that he's big. It just says that he's filled with the spirit of the Lord, and so he's super strong. So you picture early Chris Evans, Captain America, before the bulk, it's, but still is able to do what Captain America does. It's possible. I'm not saying okay. that it. I'm not saying that he's skinny, but every single time I've ever seen him portrayed and act, you know, as an actor, so he's a huge dude with those muscles, like Jason Momoa. Right. Mm-hmm. He may not have looked like Jason Momoa. Mm-hmm. He may have looked like the skinny kid in Despicable Me. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I never thought about that, but that is true. I'm just saying it's a possibility. So mm-hmm. we wanted to get into that. But before we do that, let's, let's walk through the basic storyline and then we'll we'll circle back to that, that Samson thought because there's so much going on with Samson that's fun to talk about. So basic storyline, we got three random characters, Ibzan, Elan, Abdon. We know very little about them. They're just random. They have random lives. Nice little boy band. But they all live and they all are kind of their thing. Each of them, though, is from a different tribe, which I think was interesting. So it might show that some of these judges are actually happening at the exact same time in different regions, but we just don't know for sure. Minor detail. Doesn't really matter. Because it is a, a large area of land that they would be it's each not, inhabiting. It's not huge. But back but then. But it's so sparsely inhabited by them that, yes, it would have felt... Like they're a long ways away from each other. Because like today, a long distance doesn't feel like a lot because That's we have technology and things right. are, but like then it's like three day journey. Right. If I said the whole state is like the size of Rhode Island or the size of part of Delaware, you might go, well, it's super small. But if you're walking everywhere, mm-hmm. those are huge states. And you don't have like mail service or anything to really connect no, to. No, there's no Pony Express. No. No, uh, no, no Telegraph. No Polar Express. That'd be fun. Come kids. Anyway, so Israel falls back into the same pattern after these three judges, uh, and God actually gives them over to the Philistines for 40 years. I think we're going to do an episode on the Philistines by themselves at some point in the future, because we're going to deal with them before we get to David, if we ever get that far. So We will get that far. Okay. So they, they God gives them over to the Philistines 40 years long. They're under the power of the Philistines. And all of a sudden, the Lord gives spirit upon a guy named Samson, and he does many mighty things, yet he has serious, serious character flaws. For example, one of them is this. Uh, Judges 14, 7. He went down and talked with the woman, and she was right in Samson's eyes. Do you, do you hear all of the imagery that we've been talking about. It's, for the I whole. mean, it fits with judges perfectly. Not just that, but it's also, it's pulling from the tree in the Garden of Eden. It's pulling mm-hmm. from this supernatural character, this serpent who's trying to trade, you know, like tear humans down. All of it's connected. Beautiful thing. So this guy has serious character flaws. A couple of those things are, for example, he kills a lion with his bare hands. He's not supposed to touch animals that are dead because he's a Nazarite. We'll get into that in a little bit. So then can't even kill them? Uh, well, not he's not supposed to touch a dead body. So currently, the fact that it says that it killed him or he killed it with his, with his bare hands, 
he's breaking the, the rules by okay. doing that. Do you follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If he had a spear in his hand, it's a different type of thing. Like the, he doesn't touch the death. Yeah. Then he goes back by that lion and finds some honey inside of it, squeezes out the honey and eats it and on the way home and then decides to give a little riddle with it. And then, <laughs> and then he gives it to his whole family too. Yeah. Which his parents are following the Nazarite code because of the birth of Samson. So if you're mm-hmm. following the details in this, his mom wasn't with the child. She couldn't have a kid. She was older, which is a, another storyline that's very common, right? It's mm-hmm. Abram, you know, mm-hmm. Elizabeth, the New Testament, all this stuff. But the Nazarite vow, like I said, we're going to get into that in a little bit, but they're not supposed to do a lot of things. And yet Samson breaks the rules for them, breaks the rules for himself. And then some people start pushing on Samson to try to figure out what's going on with this riddle of honey. He ends up, they end up getting his wife to get him to give up the answer so his response to them is, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out the riddle. Ouch. Like, I just, I read that and I was like, ooh. Probably the worst pickup line in history. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm, at? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Hey, baby, get over here. If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out the, the answer to the riddle. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't noticed yet, Samson's a bit of a jerk. Then it follows in 1419, it says that he has, he's burning with hot anger. Here's the reason why he's burning with hot anger. He goes back to be with his wife in chapter 15 and when he shows up, his wife has been given off to somebody else. I know. Sad his, day. His best man. Yeah. It's like truly a soap opera happening right here. Just like the soap operas that you'd watch on TV, he then captures 300 foxes, mm-hmm. which is a feat of its own. Like that, just, just to- Try to get one. I'm trying. Yeah. I, like it, I've, I've tried to catch a fox before. They're called foxes for a reason. Like they're very cunning. They're able to do crazy mm-hmm. things. He catches 300 of them, somehow keeps them all entertained enough that they're staying with him, ties two of their tails together. So now there's 150 pairs of foxes Mm -hmm. tied together. And then he puts a torch between their tails, the tails that are tied together, and lets them run free in the field. Totally natural. This is a very common response to someone who finds out that their wife was given away to their best man. Like I've had, had friends of friends who the, the night before the wedding, weird things happen with like the best man and stuff. This is way beyond anything I've ever heard. You know, like I've heard some really crazy, stupid stories. This is like. It's pretty clever. Huge, crazy big. He's like, I could just light it on fire myself. But I'm going to use the foxes. But I'm not going to. So he releases the 150 pairs of foxes throughout the fields. They burn all the barley. They burn all the wheat, all that stuff. The town basically burns down. So the Philistines respond with a very rational response. They lock Samson's wife and her father in a house and burn the house down. I don't like that. So pretty much so far, the story is going great. Then they come after him, after Samson himself. The men of Judah turn him over. They tie him up. And Samson makes a deal with them, like, just don't kill me yourself, but tie me up, you know, do the thing. When he gets down there, he busts open the, the bonds. Which again, if this is a skinny little dude, I just love that idea of the story. You know, like yeah. he's a skinny little dude and he's like, hey, watch hey, this. Hey, guys, don't mess with my stuff. And, you know, <laughs> and he goes down and the spirit of the Lord covers him. He's like, you know, like, and he just rips the bonds and they're like, this guy's super small. And he just whoops up on everybody. With, kills, that, with that jawbone. Kills a thousand of them with a donkey jawbone, which again, you're not supposed to be touching dead things. So they named the town Ramath Lahai or Lahi which means hill of the jawbone, because that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. And then he's revived for, by this spring. He prays and asks the Lord to give him something. So the, the, the Lord provides water and they call it En Hakor, the spring of him who called. 
And so then he judges for 20 years. And we're thinking, what a great story. Samson's a great guy. Look at what he's done. <laughs> you have not thought that this entire time. Stop that. Yeah, up to this point, there should be no Samson action figures. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not... I've actually walked into Christian bookstores where they're selling Samson action figures. And I it just I go, have you read the story? Like, do you know what this is about? You know, when my kids come home from Sunday school and they're like, Samson's awesome. Like, he's really a huge turd. Like, the guy's a terrible, terrible person. But the story's not over yet, Erica. There's more. It's so he, not over? So he goes down to Gaza and he sleeps with a prostitute. And they're yeah, gonna, I thought that was so random. They're going to pounce on him in the middle of the night and kill him. But he finds out about it. So he gets up, sneaks out of the house. And does what any rational person would do. He steals the city gate and runs it up on top of a hill. I know, but he just like, I'll take this. I'll take this. <laughs> Which again, if it's a skinny little dude, that story is super awesome. I don't think it is a skinny little dude. I'm sure he looked like Fabio or something. But if he is a skinny little dude and he's like trucking this huge city gate up to the hill and just drop it down. And the city gate would have been 10, 15 feet tall, right? Made of iron, made of various other chemi- you know, like chemical compositions, just amazing. So he runs it up top to the hill, leaves it there because that's normal. Then he falls in love with a woman named Delilah. Now, we're going to get into this more next week, I promise. But there's a song by Goaty Hook. Are you, you remember them from way back in the day? They sang this song so. about Samson. And the, the, the chorus was, or I guess it was the bridge, it said this. Uh, there was a girl, her name was Delilah. She's a Philistine and she's a big liar. That sounds great. Good job. Yeah, it's really super. So, Gody, you know, good job. If you pronounce their name a different way, it'd actually be Fish Hook, but that's a whole other situation. So, Gody Hook wrote this song. There's a girl named Delilah. She's a Philistine. She's a big liar. The problem with that song is we don't actually know what nationality she is. Hmm. And this is important because we're going to get into it next week, I promise. So, here's a cliffhanger for next week. You know, just like, dun, dun, dun. But pay attention. We don't actually know... If she's a Philistine. And like I said, I'll talk about it next week. But regardless, she gets paid from the, the Philistine bosses. There's five of them. 1,100 pieces of silver from each one of them. So if if she can convince That's them, if she can figure out from them how to get, or if she can figure out from Samson how to kill him, they'll pay her all this money. So what they do is they they get her to do this. And she tricks Samson three times. None of those things work. Right. She keeps going back to the well. Samson keeps giving him the wrong answer. And he's an idiot. So he doesn't ever realize maybe she's trying to kill me in the middle of the night. So the fourth night, she just weeps and weeps and weeps. And there's some indication in the story that there might be some more happening. If you're following me here, this is a young adult podcast, but I know there's some young kids listening. Mm. But if you're, you know, like wink, 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 nudge, there might be some more stuff going on for her to get the answer out of him. Finally, he, he gets bored of telling her the wrong answer. She mm-hmm. tells her the correct answer, wakes up with no hair, can't, uh, you know, can't stop the Philistine invasion upon him. They take him, they tie him up, they pluck his eyeballs out, and then they keep him like prisoner. He's sort mm-hmm. of like a, he's like a circus freak. So he can't They like do to it. make fun of him. Right. He has no actual power, but he, you know, they, they've locked up the mighty Samson. As he's doing this though, his hair starts to grow up. And as his hair grows out, eventually they bring him into the temple of Dagon or a house of Dagon. Like basically Dagon was this, this God of the Philistines. He's their main guy. And this, this is all important because later on when we get to first Sam, first Samuel, like all this is going to play out big time. But in Dagon, uh, or Dagon is the name of the God. They bring in this big party. So there's over 3000 people in the house. So it's a huge house. Like, so it could be a temple. It could be whatever. And they've got Samson attached to two pillars 
and his hair has now grown out. And nobody notices that his hair has grown out. And so what does he do? He prays to God. Only second time that he's prayed in the whole story, by the way, that mm. we have access to. He says, God, just give me the strength one more time. Pulls the pillars upon himself, kills himself, kills everybody else. Goes down in a blaze of glory. Well, and what they said is that he killed more then than he did in his entire life. Correct. So. So in his death, he accomplishes more than he did in his life, mm-hmm. which is kind of the sad part of who Samson is. Yeah. So that's the basic storyline. Got it? Got it. Good. Got it. All right. And now it's time for the deeper dive. That was a shorter one because I wanted to. We got we to gotta move. <laughs> we got, we there's so got much. Dude, there's so much going on with this. All right. So uh, Manoah is the name of Samson's dad. We know his name. We don't know his wife's name. She's barren, but she's very faithful. And so she loves God. She's trying to be faithful to God. And so what does God do? God shows up and says, I'm going to give you a kid. But I'm going to give you a kid and you've got to do something. You've got to follow the Nazarite vow. So if you were to go back to number six, you would see all of these things that the Nazarite's supposed to do or not do. For example, the Nazarite can never use a razor against their head, so they can't cut their hair. A Nazarite is supposed to not drink alcohol. The Nazarite's not supposed to touch dead bodies. And the Nazarite vow in number six says that if you follow these things, you're making a special vow to the Lord and he'll do something miraculous with you. Hmm. So a lot of time the Nazarite vow was used for like, if someone was really struggling with sin, they would do these things to allow the sin to break. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you're really struggling with, I don't know, alcoholism, you might say, I'm going to make a six month Nazarite vow. I'm not going to cut my hair. I'm not going to drink because that's part of the deal. It would be. Right, right. And I'm not going to touch any dead bodies. And if at the end of that time, God will sort of have detoxed me. And now the special vow will have taken over. To end the vow, you cut your hair and you make a sacrifice to God. And God has done something miraculous with you. So what God says to her is, I'm going to give you a kid, but you've got to follow a rule. You've got to take the Nazarite vow. She says, that's great. So she goes back to her husband. She says, hey, we're supposed to do this. And her husband's like, well, let me see the man of God myself. And so the man of God shows up to her again and says, hey, you know, what's going on? And she goes, well, I'm going to do it, but my husband wants to see you too. And so he's like, all right. So then she's like, Manoa. And he's like, yeah. He's like, the guy's back. And Manoa's like, all right. So he like runs up. He's like, all right, what's the deal with my wife? What am I supposed to do? And they're like, you're supposed to da-da-da-da-da. Gives him the Nazarite vow again. And he's like, all right, we're both going to follow it, which is kind of cool. Like both parents mm-hmm. decide to follow the Nazarite vow. So they have this little bundle of joy. Do they not relay this to Samson? I think he knows that he is. He just. He's just an idiot. Doesn't care. Okay. I think the whole point of Samson here is Samson is being raised by very faithful parents, but Samson doesn't have a regard for the rules. Mm. And him burning with hot anger and some of the other character flaws that he has, we're supposed to read it and realize this dude has a serious, serious, serious problem. Like there's major issues with him. So then what Samson does throughout his life is break every single one of the Nazarite laws. <laughs> like, I'm going to show you. I killed a lion with my bare hands. And not just that. When I went back to look at the carcass, there was honey inside of it. So I ate it because I was hungry. And then I gave it to my parents, which broke the vow for them. But they didn't know that they broke the vow. So then I go and I you know, do this thing. Plus, Samson clearly has an issue with alcohol. You don't just show up in brothels and sleep with prostitutes unless there's alcohol involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on top of that, his hair cutting... Uh, he doesn't cut his hair, but then he does give it up to Delilah, yeah. and that's what ends up having his hair cut. So the most famous Nazarite in the Bible is Samson. Probably the second most famous is John the Baptist. Okay. Those are the two most famous Nazarites that you think of in the Bible. Although it's pretty clear that Paul seemed to be making a Nazarite vow in Acts, and there's a couple other places in Scripture where there's some individuals who have really long hair that cut it that seems to suggest that they've taken a Nazarite vow. All that to say, Samson is the most famous Samson is also the biggest train wreck of mm-hmm. a Nazarite. So 
that's something in the deeper dive that we, we want to spend a little time on. So we're going to do that. Uh, I think it's amazing uh, th this is just a, like a minor detail in the deeper dive, but Judges 13, 18, if you were to go to it, uh, Manoa asks, what is your name? So that when your words may come true, uh, we may honor you. So Manoa is like, I'm testing my faith here. I think this is really going to happen, but I want to know what your name is so I can sacrifice to you. Mm. So God's answer to him is this. I love this. The angel of the Lord said to him, remember the angel of the Lord is a major character. We've talked about it a couple yes. times already. Why do you ask my name seeing it is wonderful? Whoa. Now you might go, well, what, who cares? The name of the Lord is so significant. Uh, the word Yahweh, you know, we don't have time to get into all of that. I'm, that'll probably be a later podcast because that is a whole episode all to itself. Um, but the idea of the name Yahweh, it's so wonderful. You're not supposed to utter it out loud. That could be what he's in, implying here. It also could just be that he's like, you are so simple. You have no idea what you're asking. We're not going to mess with it. But one of the things in ancient society, especially Eastern society, is this. Names have power. So individuals wouldn't name their kids until they were 18 months to 18 years sometimes. Even in today's world, there's some people that they don't name their kids until their kids have come of age. And they, so then what do you call them? They, they, you call them whatever. Boy? So, so nicknames, you know what I'm saying? It could be Red. It could be Mikey. could be... Billy Bob, you know, like those are all ridiculous names, Yeah, but you just call Sonny boy, you, you call your kid Sunny a name boy. until you know your kid's character and to give your child a name means that you've given them, you've, you've associated with their attributes and you've made the name that's special for them. So to know their name then gives you power over them because it says that you know that person very, very well. So some of these people who have names like bitter or different things, it's all intentional. That doesn't speak very highly of you. No. You. <laughs> no. Well, and like think of it, Esau. Esau was born and he's, he's covered in red hair. So what do they name him? Esau, which means red. That's a sweet name. But Jacob is born holding onto Esau's heel. So what do they name him? Jacob, which means clinger of the heel or snatcher of the foot, which you might say today, the puller of the leg, mm -hmm. deceiver, right? It's sort yeah. of this idea. So there's all of this stuff going on in the Bible. And so when God says, you don't want my name because it is so wonderful, I go, whoa, I don't even know what that means. But it means I don't want to give you the authority over me that you think you deserve. So I'm not telling you my name. Mm -hmm. I'm like, dang, that's pretty cool. It's also kind of neat because in the very end of the Bible, Re Revelation, it says that everyone who's a believer in Christ gets a name written on a stone that only they know. God's going to rename us with some really, really cool names. All right. So something to think about, just kind of a fun little deal. I think it's interesting that in the whole account, this is one of the, this is the longest one we've had yet, right? I mean, we're talking multiple chapters yes. of Judges. It's a lot of words. There's a lot of weirdness going on. It's a very in intricate narrative with a lot of really interesting things. But there are three prayers. First, uh, the angel of the Lord is sort of beckoned <clears throat> by uh, Manoah's wife. And then Samson has two uh, prayers, which is interesting. The angel of the Lord shows up again. That's a big deal. Philistines are on the scene. And like I said, we're going to deal with them in a later podcast, but the Philistines are a super interesting people group attached to a lot of weirdness that's going on, right? I mean, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a Philistine coming that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Goliath. Big. And if you, and if you think <laughs> through what deal. we've talked about so far with Gabodrim, right? Gabodrim, the, the mighty men. Yeah. You think back on some of the supernatural weirdness that we talked about in Genesis 6. All of this is coming to a head and the Philistines are a part of that problem. And it's going to get like super awesome, legit. But up to this point, the Philistines have not even been in the story at all. And all of a sudden, boom, here they are. And they're going to become a major player. So this player. is the first time they've been 
Pretty much, discussed. yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they've been mentioned, but they've not done anything. But now they're actually starting to take over power, and then it's going to lead to this massive showdown yeah. with David. And then David's actually going to spend a fair amount of time in Philistine country. Uh, one of the weird things about this whole narrative is it's super intricate. There's all kinds of unique things happening. Uh, the Samson narrative has a lot going on that we kind of need to deal with. So here's a few of the details that some people might find interesting if you don't just, you know, like skip forward a minute or two in the podcast and go listen to something else. Uh, the, the narrative is super intricate, super interesting, like I said, but there's a lot of unique details that people have tried to connect with Christ in kind of a weird way. So for example, uh, the word Samson in, in Hebrew in, in, in Hebrew is actually Shimshon, uh, which is connected to Shemash, which is actually, or Shemesh, the, the sun god of of the Canaanite worshipers. So there's a lot going on later on in the, the biblical narrative where uh, individuals are actually worshiping a sun god in the temple and like Josiah and others have to kick them out. So there's some belief that uh, maybe there's already some sun worship going on here and Manoah and his wife name him little sun. That's what, that's what Shemshon means is little sun because there's some kind of connection there. But what some later people like, you know, middle, middle ages, people have tried to make the connection is, you know, Shemesh is the sun, sun God, so Shemshon, and they're both sons. But then you look at the son of righteousness, Jesus in Malachi, they're like, is there a connection there? I don't think there is, but I'm just going to, let me just run through all of these. Both Jesus and Samson defeat gates. <laughs> one of them carries a gate to the top of the hill. One of them defeats the gates of hell. That's a little bit bigger of a deal. Mm-hmm. Both of them kill a lion. Uh, Satan is called a lion in, in the book of J- uh, James. And so both of them defeat a lion. One of them is Satan. One of them is like a legitimately a lion. Both of them save Israel. Both of them have wondrous births. Although I would like to compare Samson's birth to John the Baptist. Mm. Jesus' birth was so unique because there's no yeah. there's no male involved. There's, there's no male involved in the situation. Whereas Samson is probably closer to Abram's story or John the Baptist, right? And two old people having a baby. That's a weird thought in the first place, yeah. but you kind of follow me here. Uh, both had wondrous births. Both were sold out by a bribe. Both of them were bound going to their death. Both of them were victorious in death, that their death actually became the thing that caused the people to be free. Mm-hmm. Both of them had the spirit depart from them. But I would say in all the commentators that have tried to make these connections, I, I just I think it's a huge stretch. I think Samson, if you want to make any connection, it might be like this. Samson is the worst possible version of a savior, and it leaves you longing for someone who's better. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I would probably do that with the narrative and say, Samson has such serious problems. He's more of an anti-Jesus who ends up being a hero, but not a hero that you want to follow. Whereas Jesus is the, the perfect example of what a Samson or a Shimshon should be. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of where I would go with the whole narrative. But I, but I, I want to say, especially going into next week, pay attention to all of the details of the scriptures. There are things happening. For example, up till now, we've had a number of judges. Quite a few of them have ruled for, you know, once they freed the people, they were freed for 40 years to 80 years. Mm-hmm. Here, the Philistines are in charge for 40 years. Samson doesn't free the people for, for 40 years. Samson only frees the people for 20 years. So it starts to show you there's some major downsliding happening. So numbers are important. Uh, like one of the details I'm going to tell you, if you're listening to the podcast, go back and read how many pieces of silver Delilah gets. I said it earlier in the podcast, but read it closely and think about it and go, why does this matter? I guarantee when we turn the page to the next chapter, you're going to go, what? I, I th- this, this narrative is leading us to 
the rest of the story of Judges. And the, the story of Judges is going to leave us going, I feel so sick and so grossed out by how bad things get. I wish there was a king who would come save us. That's how you're supposed to feel. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is we're going to spend a little bit of time in a woman named Ruth, and she's happening at this exact same time. She's not an Israelite, but she's going to do some tremendous things. Uh, whereas all the Israelites here are pretty much trash, right? You're looking at them going, this is just bad. It's so bad. And they're going to want a king. They're going to get a king that they want because he's strong and powerful, but he's not the guy they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to get another king who's legit. So as much as people want to make Samson a hero, I think the deeper dive should leave you going, Samson's a mess and he's not a good guy. He's There's nothing really about him that makes you like go, yay, except for the fact that the Lord pours his spirit upon him and Samson has tremendous strength. Yeah. So let's get practical. Let's get practical, practical. All right. There's a lot of rules in Samson's life. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't follow them, but they are definitely there. That's for sure. Um, so I think when we read this, because I mean, now I know so much more since you did the deeper dive with the, well, I think it was actually more so in the basic storyline, but just with the Nazarite vow, right. what that actually entails. When I'm reading this and I'm just like, wow, that's a lot of obscure things that he's being asked not to do. And then when I'm reminded of like, well, and then I always got to ask the why, like why, why is God asking these things to not be done? You know, and, and when I'm thinking of that, it's so that he can be set apart, right? So that he can be unblemished or untainted or those sorts of things. So like in our lives, when we're being asked to not do things, and that's what we see it a lot of when, when I first became a Christian, that's what it all was about. Like, oh, those list of don'ts. But really, it's as as we've talked about before. It's the it's there shall nots. It's actually not do not. So, um, but really, it is to set you apart. It is to make you different. It is to there are reasons for it. It's not just I like these arbitrary rules just for fun, you know. Right, and what's funny about that is when we read the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. Everyone's like, no, Eve, don't eat the fruit. Don't do it. But then when God says things later, like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, they're like, why are all these rules here? You're following the same problem that Eve has in the garden. So mm-hmm. the, the real question here dealing with the, and I'm putting quotes up here, the rules of the yeah. Bible, isn't so much the rules. It's, are you going to choose holiness or are you not? And every one of us has these moments in our life where we're looking at two choices. And if we choose holiness, we're better off. When we don't choose holiness, a mess happens. God might still use us, but a mess happens. And that's basically the idea of what we're looking for with the Nazarite vow. Yeah, it's a better way to live. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, with my students, that's what I try to describe it as all the time, that it is, yeah, it's a better way to live. You have far less issue with anything if you're living according to the way that God would would like you to live. Right. As some people would say, then, well, that's just not fun, but it's like, but if you think of the consequences of some of those things that we're asked not to do, those don't seem very fun either. So, um, so yeah, just looking at it at first, I was like, Whoa, lots of rules. And then, yeah, I always have to ask the why God doesn't do things for no reason. So I always am kind of, and not, not like I have to know the why for it to make it valid, but there is a why. Um, and I think that can make it a little bit more, like attainable, not attainable, but you know what I mean? Like right. I would want to actually keep that because it's not just like 
how I felt with my parents where they're just don't do this, don't do this, even though they still were wanting the best for me. But yeah, God is the same wanting the best for you. Right. Which leads into the next kind of idea. Just because Samson has great power doesn't mean he doesn't need to still work for things. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? We think a lot of times as college students and young adults, I have this, I'm good. I can just chill and not. No, discipline is important. And the fact that Samson is completely not disciplined, God still gives him tremendous strength. But again, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, he may not have been super swole. Like he might have been just like this tiny little dude that God gives a tremendous power. He also might have been completely swole, but he still wouldn't be able to accomplish what he does without God's power. Like picking up a city gate, I don't care how strong you are. Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime couldn't rip a city gate out of the ground and run up to the top of the hill. I mean, maybe maybe pull it out, but not run it with it. Maybe. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Whoa! That's Arnold Schwarzenegger. That, that was pretty good. Yeah. Like that. Well, and yeah, when I was thinking of, of this story too, he he's given everything. Mm-hmm. Everything just seems to just happen for him. And really, yeah, having to work for things, it, like they'll, they'll stay around longer. Like mm-hmm. you know the, the worth of them when you actually have to work for them. Um, whereas I think he took everything for granted because mm-hmm. it was just given. And when things, yeah, when things are given, you just, you don't really care about them. Which is one of the things that happens a lot in human nature. For example, the parents are completely faithful, love Jesus, want to walk with him, want to do all the right things. So they create a little space, a little nest for their kid to figure it all out. And their kid takes this sort of hot holiness that's been created by the parents and then wants nothing to do with it and doesn't do it, you know, doesn't follow it. Mm-hmm. So you see a lot of times in the Bible where the next generation totally just spits in the face of, of the others who decided, you know, so Josiah's reforms lead to a revival in, in Israel. And then Josiah's kids are hauled off to Babylon. <laughs> but at the same yeah. time, there's this little remnant of people that are that sort of exist in the midst of that. And this remnant uh, of people who got serious in the midst of, of those faithful moments do some tremendous things later, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or mm-hmm. Daniel. All those are, things are connected. So you look at this here. These individuals are so connected to God. They want to do God, things God's way, the Nazarite vow, but yet their kid doesn't follow the rules. And I also love or find interesting in Judges 14, 4. So he just talked, Samson just talked to his parents about like, I really want to go get a wife from the Philistines. That's my Samson voice. And the parents are like, can you not? I just love it. Can you not take a daughter from like one of your relatives? Like, can you imagine a parent saying that? Um, But really, you know, they're saying, you know, somebody in our tribe, somebody that keeps this bloodline pure. And well, then he does say like, get her for me for she is right in my eyes. But right (laughs) after that, It says in verse 4 of chapter 14, his father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord, so like him desiring this other woman, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel, which just shows God's plan is crazy. And he is actually using Samson's like lust after these women to basically bring the Philistines to an end, which is just crazy. So he's letting it happen. And then his plan is still going to come to be. That doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it just or like what he, you know, like what Samson is doing is not right. But God's like, I still will use 
even your junk and your sin and all of that to still make my plan come to be. Mm -hmm. It would be interesting to know what that plan would have looked like if they would have just followed. You know what I mean? Right. But we don't we don't just follow. So totally, we got to kind of screw things up along the way. You don't have to, but I think we choose to, and then God true. still uses us anyway. Very true. Samson, what's your number? Eight six seven five three one nine two four. I had to get all nine numbers in there. <laughs> nice job. You like that one? Yep, that was good. Yeah, it's fun. Well done. <laughs> um, so Ibzan, Elon, Abdon. They're just it. I really do feel like it is a boy band. And I feel like some of the songs that they would have had would have been like 70 Donkeys or Bring Them Wives In or Zebulun, Zebulun. Like, I feel like those would have been, I really like Bring Them Wives In. I think I think that's the most unique way of looking uh, at these weird people. And I yeah. love it. I love it. It's either that or seeing them as like the Three Stooges. Bring Them Wives In. Yeah. And they, so, stomp, they stomp around on stage and women run across the seven, stage. Yeah. Um, so... I think this is going to be my most accurate uh, de- description because I get so much to go on for these three men. That is definitely sarcasm right there because we're given like nothing. So with Ibzan, um, he is much better to his sons than he is to his daughters. He brings wives in for the sons, sends the daughters out to get married, which that most likely was a common thing. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know, Ibzan is probably a one, a perfectionist, sticks with tradition, does what is right, does not deviate from the plan. Ones have a great sense of of right and wrong. So he's like, tradition is right. I will stick with it. It can kind of border on idealistic. um, But Ibzan definitely shows tendencies toward a one because he's sticking with tradition with his wife, not his wives, his son's wives and his daughter. So then we have Elon. However you want to say that. Right. Um, he invented the battery car. Oh, yeah. Ellen. Ellen Musk. Is that how you say his e- name? Elon. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Yep. He went from donkeys to the electric car. And he's putting people in space. We got that from um, our young adults group this last week. <laughs> Adam said that, and it was I, we were like, we got to put that in here. Yeah, Elon Musk. It was pretty great. Well, well done, Adam. Um, so he was from Zebulon, which I had to look up some stuff about that tribe. They um, are practical and business-minded. They actually were the ones who um, financed a lot of the other tribes. Right. So what I was reading was saying a lot of the other tribes— They're the capital in the Hunger Games. Yeah, yeah, it's true. A lot of the other tribes are like the dreamers and the thinkers and the scholars, and they need somebody to fund them, and that was Zebulon. They were by the sea, so they had ports and um, access to the sea, and their their symbol is actually a ship. So, yes, they had a lot of of money and— Whatnot. So they were very entrepreneurial. That's a hard word to say. Minded. <laughs> um, all types can can be entrepreneurs, but they need to definitely be a go getter and have that type of attitude. Not easily swayed by disappointments, and they love challenges. So that could be usually that's a three, a five, a seven, or an eight. So a three is an achiever. They want to see success. So they will make it happen because they want that success. A five does all the research, knows the best plan, financially sound, has like the graphs and the charts and the all of that. The seven has an enthusiasm for ideas and such a passion and can get others behind it too, but can get easily distracted by other shiny things and like 
maybe desiring something new rather than staying the course. And an eight, very plan and step-minded and sticks to them and gets things done very efficiently. I think he's a five because if Zebulon has done this for this long, they definitely are stay-the-course type of tribe. So they are successful, obviously, because the tribes are still around. They're not easily distracted, um, and they're reliable, and they really know their stuff, so they've done their their research. So can an entire tribe be the same number? Um, I think within Zebulon, they would have had three, five, seven, eights. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They could have had any of them. That's but so I think great. Elon... Especially for being electric car guy, all Americans are fours. <laughs> We're all super emotional. Could be very could very could be very could coronavirus. Very much so then we have Abdon. He's the donkey guy. We had a donkey guy. Was it last week? Two weeks ago? Uh, pretty much every week. Jair was also a mm-hmm. um, a donkey guy. So he got donkeys for his sons and his grandsons. Once again. Sorry, women, you're not getting any donkeys that we know of. Maybe they, maybe they did. I don't know. Maybe they sat on the back. I doubt it. Of that, okay. Um, so what a guy, great guy. He most likely is a two because he's a helper. He's making sure everybody has what they need, and that is a donkey. So he would like give his shirt off his back for mm-hmm. anyone who asks. I imagine he didn't even have a donkey himself because he gave it to somebody else. He's, he's like, such a giver. He's like the Oprah of judges. You get a donkey. You get a donkey. You get a donkey. <laughs> Greatest gift show ever. Yep. Maybe that is what they had. And that's how they all got them. You get a donkey. He, you, it, was, it, was the show. it was the show that only had his sons and grandsons. And they all got donkeys. Why are we all in the same room, Grandpa? Well, kids. You're getting donkeys for Christmas. Everybody Actually, once again, donkey. they wouldn't have had Christmas. That's okay. All right. So, um... A two definitely is, that's kind of why they give and they help. They're definitely trying to seek that validation from helping others and kind of feel like that's how they keep people is by giving. That's kind of what they feel like they have to do to to stay in that relationship. So I think that's how Abdon kind of felt towards his family, giving him donkeys. Sounds legit. And then we have Samson. Oh, Samson. So let me just read the description of what an eight is. And I'm, I feel like I could just end with that. You'd be like, he is definitely so you think an eight. This is the one that you're positive. I'm, I'm like, just Go listen to this. Go for so, it. I'm going to close my eyes and listen okay. to what this is. And I'm going to see if it's Samson. So the core fear of an eight is being weak, powerless, harmed, controlled, vulnerable, manipulated, and left at the mercy of injustice. The core desire of an eight is protecting themselves and those in their inner circle. Their core weakness is lust and excess, constantly desiring intensity, control, and power, pushing themselves willfully on life and people in order to get what they desire. And their core longing, which is a message that they really want to hear, is you will not be betrayed. I like read that and I was like, that's Samson. Mic drop. I was like, that is so Samson. Oh, it's totally Samson. That's a great, hey, good job. That was... That was I'm definitely convinced from... the Enneagram is legit now. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is from your Enneagramcoach.com, just so if anybody wanted to go and look at what all they have. But um but he is very clever and resourceful. Foxes, riddles, <laughs> K 
killing those guys to actually give the clothes to the other men, which I thought was so Yeah, yeah, we didn't go into detail, but the whole riddle with the with the honey uh, honey thing. He's like, I'll give you thirty pairs of clothes if you guess the riddle. Then they guess the riddle and he's like, If you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have figured it out. So his answer is to go kill thirty Philistines, take all their clothes, bring them back and be like, Here's the clothes I got you. They're from dead people, but <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, Oh my gosh. But I also thought even in the end, I thought that he had figured it out and maybe his heart has changed. And maybe it did a little bit, but he still is actually wanting vengeance for himself. He says, help me venge my eyes. Like, he still, it still is about him. Which I think even eights, when they really, really are trying to be healthy, that is something that they really struggle with, is it still being kind of about them. As we all probably do, but yeah. And I love how early in the story he sees a woman... And he says, she's right in his eyes. And by the end of the story, he has no eyes. Very true. Every man feels that way. That's not true. <laughs> Every man feels that way. <laughs> no, your eyes are for one person. You just, true. you get completely absorbed. That's how you're supposed to be, but we don't, we don't do that. So. Sorry. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. We're on iTunes and Spotify now. Woohoo, Spotify! Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Yamcast. You can check us out at yamcast.podbean.com or on any other podcasting apps like iTunes. We would love it if you'd leave us a review that is any number between four and a half and five stars. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer here on the podcast, you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. That is yamcastpod at gmail.com. If you'd like more information about us, you can check us out at parkhillschurch.com or on the app store with the Park Hills Church app. We are also on Instagram, so give us a follow at The Yamcast. All right, that's it, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll check you out next time. No, that's not what we're doing. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Check out <laughs> iTunes and Spotify now. Woohoo, we're on Spotify. We're not checking you out. I'm sorry. They wouldn't know that. We edited that part out. One more time. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. It's going to go at the end thing. Sorry. Well, the 14-4, I really find interesting. Hey, James, this is definitely not this supposed to be This is what you're not podcast. supposed to be having in there. This whole section right um, here. I just-